Welcome, everybody. Thanks for listening to the On Fryer podcast. I am Darnay Tripp, joined as always by Derek Togerson. Derek, this is our first socially distanced episode of the On Fryer podcast. And we are being socially distant from uh, different homes in different cities around San Diego County because we care about people. And we want to make sure that we're following what the healthcare professionals are telling us and uh, and just trying to flatten that curve as quickly as possible. And uh, everybody, please stay safe out there. Observe your social distancing. Do what you got to do to make sure that all the people around you are going to be okay. Absolutely. And uh, this, of course, uh, one of the tougher days to, to have to do the uh, social distancing routine because, of course, otherwise, Derek, this would be opening day. Opening it would be day. opening day at Petco Park, and we would have 44, 45,000 people in one place, and there would be no social distance because we'd all be <laughs> celebrating watching Padres baseball and the return of the major leagues. And it, it this is supposed to be the season where we come out and we, we really get back into playoff contention with the Padres, and that was supposed to start on Thursday, and it, it just feels weird today. What, what's been your kind of, of, of sense of things? Yeah, it definitely feels weird. Uh, you know, you go on Twitter and you see people sharing pictures and videos and just talking about how much they wish they could experience baseball right now. And everything that comes with it, I was down at Petco doing some stuff for the TV side of things. And, you know, there are some people around, of course, wearing the colors, wearing the brown, taking some pictures, just kind of being around the building, even though it's empty and it's not what we would like it to be on this day, um, which wasn't a surprise. I was down there when they played God Bless America, which is very cool, uh, a cool gesture for the team just to kind of reach out to the fan base, give them something to uh, enjoy and uh, kind of help pass the time and, and feel good, something that is part of kind of the baseball routine. But, of course, um, it's tough when you're missing all the screaming fans, the game, the action, just the normal buzz and excitement that we enjoy in East Village this time of year um it is a unique day obviously across the country and certainly in san diego and it's a bummer not just knowing that we can't enjoy it today like you said recording here thursday but we have no idea when we'll finally be able to enjoy that site again yeah that's been one of the most frustrating things about this is and i talked to actually a couple of folks aj casavell who was the padres uh, doc, uh, mlb.com padres reporter who does a tremendous job and he had a really good line he said it's okay to be upset that no baseball is being played right now. I mean, we're, it's, you're completely justified in thinking, man, I wish baseball was around at this moment um, and, and still be completely conscious of what's going on in the world around you. And it, it's, it's okay to, to want that and yet still try to help the folks around you and, and try to be conscious of, of the seriousness of the situation. And then I talked to Chris Ello, a longtime local radio personality on 97.3 The Fan, the Padres flagship radio station, on how he and, uh, and Tony Gwynn Jr. have been approaching things. And one of the things we discussed is when you're in the sports media, it can be very difficult because you have to walk a line between understanding that there are major, heavy, serious things going on in the world, but also part of our job is being a distraction and being that thing that people can escape to, to get away from the seriousness of this everyday life. And it's difficult because you want to be able to still, you know, joke around and still have some fun and be lighthearted at times, but it almost feels like you're, you're being disrespectful if, if you are doing that. So uh, trying to find where that line is, and then Chris had a, a really good line when he said, 
He, he thinks the line just jumps around on him. You, you think you have it one day and the next day you don't have it because you, you feel yourself kind of starting to, to get lighthearted and then reality snaps you right back. So that's been one of the more interesting and I think difficult things, at least for me in trying to cover this is, yeah, we're supposed to be the stuff that people look to and, and have a good time at the end of, of the day and try and get away from all the, the seriousness and, and the heaviness in, in the world right now. But do we really have license to do that? And that, that's been something that I think we've done a, a, a lot of thinking about and trying to find. And that's why we're talking about opening day today. We're talking about what could have been. We're talking about a virtual game that the Padres had on uh, on MLB The Show 2020, a virtual game on a video game that, that would have maybe been a representation of what happened. And, of course, the Padres lost in extra innings because Jace Tingler left Craig Stammen in for far too long, and Nolan Arnato <laughs> hit a three-run bomb in the 10th. We won't get into firing Tingler now, which probably we would be saying if that was actual real life. Is the, is the seat warm we, right now? It's, it's, the seat's hot on Jace Tingler right now, absolutely. Virtual Jace Tingler probably wouldn't even be allowed back in the clubhouse after that game. <laughs> But we, uh, we, we just we, we want to have stuff like this because we want to be able to say, man, this is cool. This is fun. We can, we can have a little fun with baseball, long for it to be back, and not feel bad about it. Oh, no question about it. And, you know, that's one thing that I always have a tough time with because every so often, you know, if it's an athlete, if it's something we're writing or something that an athlete is writing and, and expressing their disappointment with the situation and somebody – chimes in and says, well, think about all the people that are dealing with this and that. I, we we all know that. <clears throat> we all enter kind of the conversation with the understanding that, like, there are other people that have it way worse. And, and for some people, it is literally life and death. And we're not necessarily comparing sports and what a team or an athlete, what the Aztecs uh, have gone through and, and what they lost to uh, what's at stake for other people. Like, you can have that perspective. And I think these athletes, athletes that – you know, we've heard from, I had a chance to talk to Greg Garcia. He's like, it seems kind of petty, petty to complain about not being able to play baseball, but that's the reality of this situation. It was disappointing to get so close to opening day and to feel so good about the team and then to have it kind of pulled out from under you. Like everybody understands the seriousness of this for the most part. But like you said, and like AJ said, like we, we can also be disappointed about sports. I mean, all the, there are layers to this. There are different levels of the seriousness. And this is something that we enjoy on a daily basis. This is part of our routine. This is part of our lives. This is part of community. This is what brings us together. This is something important that people bond over and enjoy together. Um, you know, there's families, parents, and kids. Like, this is... This is important to them. Uh, this is significant. And so, uh, yes, under the umbrella that, you know, th this thing is serious. It needs to be taken seriously. It, it should be talked about as such. And um, for, for many people, like, this is having a, a huge impact on their lives and on their families. And uh, we acknowledge that and, and can also say, look, uh, at a lower level, this is a bummer. Because, you know, we should be, as we're recording this right now, we should be in the late innings of the first ball game of the season. And this is something we've been looking forward to for months. There's a lot of excitement around this team. And uh, it's a shame to not have that and to not know when we're going to be able to uh, have that again. Um, and so it's just a, it's a tough situation. And um, it's something we're all having to deal with right now. Real quick, uh, before we get any further, a shout out to OG's, of course, the official sponsor of yes. the On Fire podcast. Um, like many restaurants, they're trying to figure it out, make things work during a time where people are on 
unable to congregate and gather in restaurants and sit down and enjoy a meal. All OGs are currently open for takeout and delivery. Uh, another great way to support OGs. You can purchase gift cards for future use. Um, that's been one cool thing that's come out of this is the, the takeout challenge. People, uh, you know, given business to restaurants and establishments that they enjoy on a regular basis, uh, continue to do that. Go to OGs. Uh, like I said, open for takeout and delivery. Um, and so support local businesses in our community. All right, Derek, you mentioned you mentioned the virtual game. Okay, uh, you of all people, of course would get fired up about a virtual baseball game. I will admit, though, I was kind of getting myself together today, and I found myself watching the game. And it wasn't just, like, for a couple minutes. Like, I had it on. I was curious. I watched a few innings. I saw Tommy Pham's go-ahead home run. I saw Daniel Murphy go yard on Chris Paddock. What was your takeaway from watching a virtual opening day? My takeaway is probably the look on my wife's face when I was watching the game and she could see I was getting emotionally invested in it. <laughs> and her looking at me going, this is a, this is a video game, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's all we but got. It's baseball. It's the closest facsimile we got right now. And I understand how dumb this is, but still I want it to be real. And I want it to be back. And yeah, it was actually really, it was really fun to watch. It was it was almost like you're trying to go along with the game. Again, this is computers playing computers, right? Which I know the joke is that's what baseball is nowadays. <laughs> it is computers playing computers I will with say, all the safer metrics. I will and the say metrics and it was nice to see a consistent strike zone. That was probably the most, the, uh, most unrealistic part of the game was <laughs> the strike zone was really good and really consistent. Um it's yeah, it was, it was interesting to watch what just see the brown uniforms, you know, the brown. It looked great. Petco Park looked resplendent, even on a video game. If they had even a, a couple times on there, the, the attention to detail with somebody right behind home plate checking their phone, you know, <laughs> just little things like that that I like. Oh, it's, it's, it's kind of cool. It's like it's like watching a ball game. Yeah, this is really neat. And then going. <sighs> okay, well, yeah, this is a this is a very Padres type of ending where they're gonna you know give up a run and then go to extra innings. Because the Padres and Rockies always go to extra innings at least once a series, it seems like in their history. <laughs> it's it was it, it was just it was really fun to be able to sit and watch it and just kind of go, man, it was a nice little primer. It was a nice little primer. I kept on, you know, you're thinking every time Tati stepped in the box or Machado stepped in the box, you were going to see a bomb. Tommy Pham showed why he was traded, uh, the Padres traded for him uh, in the offseason. And, oh, by the way, uh, just about an hour ago as we're recording this, they sent infielder Esteban Quiros to Tampa Bay as the player to be named ah. to complete the trade for outfielder Tommy Pham. So gotcha. actual base, actual baseball news today, which is just kind of interesting. So Esteban Quiros, who was a guy who was going to be in the mix for the second base job for at least a while during spring training, that cuts down one more guy in that uh, in that potential uh, opening day roster who's going to be uh, the 26th man or another middle infielder. So... Uh, Jerickson Profar, Chai France, Greg Garcia, looking like that might be the mix. You know, uh, Brian Dozier is, is in that mix again. So, I don't know. The, the, the Padres now, we, we can go back now to speculating on who is going to be that guy. Will Chris Paddock actually be the opening day starter? I think he certainly is a guy who's, who's in the mix for that. So, nice to be able to think just for a little bit as you're watching the virtual game about baseball. 
and about what might be happening and what we hope to soon see. Hopefully it's going to be in mid-May when we actually do get to Petco Park and watch some ball games. I will say a couple observations, um, and this played out on MLB The Show. There, there were, on the crowd shots, a lot of Navy with just splatters of brown, okay? The folks at MLB The Show need to update the crowd shots. It needs to be brown with mustard and a little bit of navy blue. Okay, so that was the first observation I made. The other was, it really, like, I I got excited seeing the top half of the order. Like, it made me that much more excited to see Tatis, Pham, Machado, Hosmer, Myers. Mejia was batting sixth. I was, like, I was starting to get juiced up because I want to see what the top half of the order looks like, what these guys can deliver, especially... When you bring in Fam and Tatis is back in the order. So it just kind of, it got the juices flowing for me even more. Um, and I know that was the case for you as well. Oh, absolutely it was. It was, And to see the depth in that lineup, I mean, they had Trent Grisham hitting eighth. Yeah. That's that's a dude who's been hitting leadoff in spring training quite a bit. It was, it was fun. It was fun to see the depth in that lineup that we've been hoping they would have for a while. Also, how accurate was the game? Will Myers made an error in right field and struck out looking. So it was the, that was really realistic as far as I'm concerned. Not not buying into the good signs from spring training at all is Derek Togerson. There's a shock. Okay, so the, the, the big question is that that doesn't have an answer, but it's worth discussing. Um, when will we be able to enjoy an actual baseball game? Now, obviously, there's there's no way of knowing at this point um, what, what's interesting is more of the information that's coming out in terms of uh, Major League Baseball's approach to what will be a, it seems to be a truncated season, right? Like they're not going to, you wouldn't think that they'd be able to get 162 games in, especially since you figure the absolute earliest they could get on the field is like mid-late May, like best case scenario. Um, so what do they do? I don't know, Derek, if you saw the pieces in The Athletic from Ken Rosenthal and Jason Stark, uh, which are really interesting, just kind of batting around different ideas. You get a chance to check that out or, or have any thoughts just in terms of how MLB should adjust once we figure out when they can get on the field? I haven't seen the pieces. Uh, I, it's going to really depend on how deep we go into the year here. I did see the Scott Boris idea of playing World Series games on Christmas. Well, and, That would and, be interesting. And neutral site, which would you figure have San, San Diego, Diego be in, in the mix. play? Right, no question. Yeah, San Diego's in play. And that San Diego, it's it's your World Baseball Classic spots. It's Miami, it's San Diego, it's Arizona, it's um, you know, Los Angeles, it's Houston. Although Houston probably would be off the mix because of what Houston's done recently. They wouldn't be able to get something that cool. Yeah, probably not. Um, so, you, so you would see things like uh, places like that be in the mix. I think they are open to a lot of potential suggestions. Now, I'm not sure they would go that deep into the year when you're talking about Christmas because that gives you basically, what, one a month and a half when spring training starts. And then you're going to have the World Baseball Classic again going in uh, in spring training in uh, February and March and when it comes meetings. to 2021. So that's a very small offseason for these guys. I think if, you, if you're able to go in mid-May, you can cut the season maybe – 16 games somewhere along those lines cut out a couple of the uh, division uh, trips may maybe a couple of maybe a trip across the country or two you know eliminate one of the longer uh, road trips and then one of the uh, home stands for a team that's going the, the other direction that's another thing you have to keep in mind is you have to make it again fair each team has to have the same number of home and away games um if they're if they have to go into june now you're talking about like the all-star game is gone 
um, you have to seriously think about going down to 120 games and then you're not going to have any off days. Do they start bringing double headers back? Mm -hmm. And then if you do that, do you have the rosters expand to 30 players at times, which would certainly benefit a team like the Padres. It has a kind of depth in the system that they have. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. I don't see a situation right now that if they, even at the best case scenario, they start in early to mid May that they play 162 game season. I just, I don't see that happening now. It's a matter of how much do you cut it back? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, both sides seem motivated to play as many games as possible as you would expect. You mentioned the doubleheaders. It's a possibility. I mean, maybe do 14 inning doubleheaders or 16 inning doubleheaders, a seven and a nine or two sevens. Um, Which they do in the Division Two level right now in college baseball. They do if if you're doing a doubleheader, you play one's nine, the next one's seven. There's the uh, thought about the uh, extra innings rule, starting with a runner on second. I don't know where you're at with that, but you know it lessens the likelihood of those like 14 and 16 inning games. Better chance that you get them over with. And you don't tax bullpens too much, and plus just rest the fact that they're going to be cramming in as many games. You don't want to play a game that goes into 13, 14, 15 innings too regular. I, how you feel about something like that? I mean, these these are drastic. These are more drastic changes. I mean, certainly not out of the realm of possibility, just in general. But now, I think the good thing is Rob Manfred, Major League Baseball, the decision makers seem interested in taking risks and trying stuff out, and knowing this in no way, shape, or form will be a normal season. So why not get creative? Which I think you need to do and maybe that spurs on some change that lasts beyond the 2020 season or it's a situation where kind of cut some corners do things in a different manner and it's just to get through this year and they'll return to status quo in 2021 baseball has never been known for its creativity (laughs) Uh, baseball has been known for its its uh, ability to uh, take in ideas and implement them quickly. I would go back to an idea that we had kicked around a few years ago when we were talking about extra inning games. If you get past the 12th inning, home run derby. <laughs> I mean, wh- why not Why not get nutty? That's an idea that I've kind of really always, like it, sound, it sounds radical, but I'm like, you know what, dude? Sh- Look at how many people love the home run derby. Well, right? I mean, it's, like, you had that, it's ha- like a shootout, shootout in hockey. hockey. It's the same thing. Yeah, the shootout in hockey is awesome in the regular season. Now I go to the postseason, there's nothing I like more than a six-overtime Stanley Cup playoff game right. because that's just a, an amazing thing to witness. I've been in like up at like 2, 3 in the morning before on the East Coast watching hockey games that are still going on live, and it's absolutely amazing. So you go with that during the regular season, that would be awesome. You know, and it would, certain, it would certainly benefit a team like the Yankees when you can run Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge out there. <laughs> but... You know, the Padres have a couple guys who are boppers now. You, 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 can, you can get things to the point now where you're saying, listen, because this is such a dramatic, crazy year, the Players Association will probably be more willing to play ball with you on some of these ideas. So why not just shoot for the stars and do some of these things like that? Um, one of the ones that they mentioned in that piece in The Athletic is if it does get until June and July, do you start the season with the All-Star Game? as a way to just welcome the fans back, do something exciting, showcase the best talent in baseball, uh, make a big showcase of it, and that's how you launch into the season because obviously you're not going to have a traditional all-star break if you're starting in late June, early July. I mean, all these ideas, like, you bring them to the table, you have to at least consider them um, because you're going to lose such a big chunk of the season. Fans are going to be so hungry for whatever they can get, and... 
Um, yeah, you're just going to have to make adjustments. One thing I would love to see, and this might be too <clears throat> off the wall or just guys are athletic. You know, they, they don't want too many distractions, things that are going to take away from what they need to do um, when it's time to focus on the business at hand. But man, those mic'd up games during spring training are awesome. You know, if there's a way to include some of those, maybe it's just the first week of the season. I don't know. But anything like that, just to give a little bit more to fans and to give folks a little bit more reason to watch and to tune in. Like, I I, I enjoy this portion. I, I guess the silver lining with something like this is you get to a point where, like, no idea is a bad idea. Um, because you're having to be creative. You're having to be innovative. We're having to do it. Everybody, restaurants we talked about, like, people in different business sectors like everybody's having to be creative and figure out different ways of doing things um and like you said baseball hasn't exactly been on the forefront of that sort of thing like what better time than now than to tool around a little bit and if something sticks and works maybe you carry it over if not we had some fun we gave it a try next year will be normal and we can kind of return to how we're accustomed to things getting done Right, this is the Wild West right now. If you want it to be, this this could be the Wild West where you just try anything and everything you want to. Start the game with the All-Star game, fantastic. Because we all know who the best players are. We all know who we want to see the most. There's no reason to like wedge somebody from the, you know, the Orioles on there just because you have to have somebody <laughs> from every team. You know, put give give us the most exciting guys in the game. We all know we're going to see Mike Trout and Max Scherzer, we're gonna, Jacob Degrom. We know we know we're going to see these guys, right? Throw them all out there as a great big welcome back baseball. Fantastic. Why the heck not? And then you know everybody gets a little bit of a bonus out of that. It's fant- great. Pick it up again next year. You got to be able to welcome the game back and uh, and get the fans back into it. And if it is a, hey, we're going to give you the absolute best players in the game in one showcase right here and get us all jazzed up, and then we're going to go hit the ground running, fantastic. I'm all for it. Two other things that came up was expanding the playoff field to 12 teams. Um, and their, their logic, uh, <laughs> you got some company? Oh, yeah. See, you can tell we're doing these podcasts from our houses because the dog saw someone walk by. <laughs> it was bound to happen at some point. Miles is being strangely well-behaved, but I'm expecting him to barge into the room at some point. Um, oh, yeah. No, that's, that's, that's Rosemary. Yeah, she's the, uh, the 10-month-old Australian cattle dog, and she was sleeping and looking all adorable. And then all of a sudden she realized, wait a minute, I've been asleep and adorable too long. Mm-hmm. I have to turn back into demon child again. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're living through a lot of that right about now. Um yeah, one of the ideas was expanding the playoff field because it gives you a better chance of like because the example they used, of course, was last year was the Nats. Like they were they were a disaster the first half of the season and of course ended up going on to win the World Series. And so if the if the playoff fields are expanded, gives you a better opportunity to include one of those teams that might just be getting hot at the right time and not penalizing them too much for a slow start to the season. Um and well, especially because the Nats made trades. Their biggest uh, issue was their bullpen. They made a couple trades in the middle of the year. All of a sudden, their bullpen by the end of the year is, is one of their strengths. Yeah. That became one of the reasons that they got they were so good in the playoffs is because they, they reshaped the way they were in the beginning of the year. And there's something to be said for that when a team goes out and makes changes and becomes better than it was after a shaky start. It, so, yeah, I like the idea of putting more teams in the playoffs if you're doing something like this because – 
more playoff baseball is a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Well, and is is it bad that as, I, as I'm reading this piece and different ideas that they're uh, kind of introducing, one thing I thought was a shortened season might actually benefit the San Diego Padres just based on what we saw last year. Because, look, the, the full sample size of 162 games, in all likelihood, the best teams from each league are going to emerge and make it to the postseason. Like, you, we, we, we thought the Padres might have been legit the first half of last season. We saw it happen in the back half. With a shortened season, it gives a chance, it gives teams a chance that might not otherwise be contenders. If they just go nuts for a few weeks, I mean, they're going to be right there in the mix. And then you have less time for the drop off and for a team to kind of return to the mean. So, um, I mean, if I'm if I'm a fan of the Padres, a team that is just hoping to compete, to be in the conversation, the the chance of a season that's uh, 110 games or 120, like for me, it it might be more compelling because uh, there's less time and opportunity for my team that doesn't look like it's all there quite yet to show its worth. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes perfect sense. And it's actually something I talked to uh, with AJ Casavell about, only in a slightly different way. That, that What I was wondering is, what if you play a 126-game schedule, right? Reverse the 62, play 126 games. Now, all of a sudden, all the games mean a lot more. Well, what if that just makes the excitement and the interest in baseball go through the roof? Yeah. What if the shorter season is a good thing? Because it, it, it is a long season, and, and pure baseball fans like us, you know, we love it. We love seeing every game we could possibly see. But for, you know, some of the more fringe baseball fans, I know a lot, one of the big complaints is the season's too darn long. There are too many games. They right. don't all mean the same. They don't all mean something, which is, of course, the NFL model. Every game means the same because we only got 16 of them, soon to be 17 of them. So what if interest just goes through the roof? And everyone loves a shortened season. Baseball is a game that is tied to its numbers and its history more than any other sport in the world. Mm-hmm. Because you look at, I mean, they, they gave Roger Maris an asterisk because he had one more home run but had eight more games to do it in than Babe Ruth. That was how seriously they take the numbers and, and the history of baseball. So what do you do then if you're cutting the sea, if you go down to, to cutting the season down, if you do it permanently? It's you're going to be messing with guys' legacies and history and the ability to get to the 500 home run club and and those those numbers those milestones even in the analytics age those mean something. 3,000 hits mean something, but if you're cutting down a number of games, well then on the other side, do guys then play longer careers mm. because they don't have the same kind of wear and tear on them and with nutrition and the ability to train, guys are playing deeper into their 30s and 40s anyway. It's an it's a fascinating conversation to to be had. Yeah, there's a lot of things about our everyday life and and things that we enjoy that are part of our culture and society that I'm curious, like what's going to change for good? Like what impact is is this pandemic going to have on these different aspects of life for from this point forward? You know what I mean? Like because so many of us, as I said, having to change, having to adapt, having to be creative and in doing that you figure out, oh, you know, this actually is a better way of, of going about our business. And it's going to be that way for sports. It's going to be that way for Rosemary and what treats she want and how many walks that she demands from you guys on a daily basis. Like there's... Oh, she's, no, she's playing with her brothers now <laughs> and wondering why they're not playing back. <laughs> because it's day, what, 14 of quarantine life and we're just... We're tired of playing around the house, all of us. 
we need a break. Yes. Yes, we are. Um, a- a- any other aspect of this? I mean, there's the service time part. There's how they're going to handle salary. A- what else jumps out to you? What else are you really curious about in terms of how Major League Baseball is going to handle it? Uh, it's, I, it's hard. to. I mean, I can come up with a thousand different scenarios based on when the season starts. When we get a much more clear idea of when the season's able to start, then we can start coming up with some more of these things. Um, I think uh, one of the things I'm looking at is, well, how much time are they going to give these guys to get ready for the season? No, oh, yeah. Because when, when they do have their date, it's still going to take another, you know, several weeks to ramp them back up again. Remember, I talked to Bob Scanlon, who's a friend of the show. Um, he talked about the strike shortened year um, of uh, 1994 when he was playing. And then 1995, mm-hmm. they only had you know, the strike ended, and all of a sudden they only had about three weeks to get there. And he said he, it wasn't enough for him. It was enough to get out there and not be, you know, not get hurt, but it wasn't enough to be at the peak of athletic competition. And a lot of guys felt the same way. So do they learn from that? How, how long do they give them to, to fully get back into being in baseball shape before they start the season? Because you, you want to give them enough time to be able to, to be all right and play well and not get hurt. But also, you don't want to push the season any farther back than you already have already. You know, yeah. and the yeah. other question to that is, do we go back out to Peoria again for more spring training? Oh, I mean, the thought has definitely crossed my mind. I mean, I would imagine, you know, not just to cover the team, but just to hear from the guys about the situation. I mean, it is it is, you know, aside from just your standard spring training coverage, it's you're still kind of covering this pandemic and the reaction to it and the other side of it. And I think it makes it that much more interesting and then of course there's a baseball side of these guys kind of getting back into the rhythm with things and you know the pitchers getting stretched back out and it it seems like three weeks is kind of like a good sweet spot i a lot of people say two weeks you have the questions about the pitchers but is would a four would four weeks would a full month be too much i mean three weeks seems like it's a little bit extra time and maybe not maybe the pitchers aren't ready full bore uh to go full bore on opening day um just the process of kind of them building up last into the season which is fine you expand the rosters you have uh more arms in the bullpen um yeah i don't know um that that is of all the questions that i guess is one of the more pressing just because that's the first thing we're gonna run into right like that's one of the first ones that is gonna have to get answered is once everybody can come back together, okay, how long? And then, and then maybe there's still the possibility of playing games without fans. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's one thing for groups of fifty and a hundred, but they don't want forty-four thousand. And so that's another thing that we're gonna have to see once that time comes, and hopefully it's in May and June and not July and August. Yeah, it's a good point. Is when you know when we start to do this, do we just snap right back to how we're used to, or as we started to scale down? You know, okay, no more than two hundred fifty, no more than a hundred, no more than ten. Now, do we have to go back the other way? Now it's okay, no more than a hundred. We're going to start there. You know, how how do we start to uh, to get back to the point where the CDC and you know the individual governors of states start to tell us? Okay, now you can do this. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really interesting to see how not only we get through this pandemic, but also how we start to transition back out of it and into what we would consider a normal everyday life in America. And when will we do the podcast in the same room again? That's what I'm looking forward to most, really. That's going to be great. I can't wait. I mean, this is this is fine. We're getting the podcast done. But, um, you know, there's nothing like the friendly confines of the uh, NBC7 podcast studio. This is very true, my friend. Um, well, Derek, been a pleasure, um, 
just kind of batting around these ideas. We'll, uh, we'll be putting out more episodes in the coming weeks. Uh, might not necessarily be every single week, but definitely want to get a chance to uh, catch up with one another, catch up with you, the fan, and uh, just kind of keep you posted on all the news, everything that is changing and evolving. Hopefully there will be some updates. I mean, hopefully... Um, it seems naive to see, say, but within a matter of a few weeks, the wheels start turning and we get a better idea of when the light at the end of t- the tunnel will be. Um, and then hopefully things get back to normal before too long because uh, no games, no chance to hang out with you, Derek, and enjoy normal life. Um, it's crazy to think it's been about two weeks and I think it's wearing on people pretty quickly. Oh, it most definitely is wearing on people. There's no question about that. But uh, hey, like I said, America's resilient. Baseball fans are resilient. Mm-hmm. We'll all uh, we'll all get through this. And remember, again, folks, uh, two things. One, again, thanks to OGs for uh, sponsoring the podcast, as they have for uh, you know the better part of a year now. And uh, also, you know what they're doing, and all the other local restaurants are doing is offering takeout service and just do what you got to do. Uh, it, it stinks not to be able to get together and enjoy each other's company, but. If we do it for a, a really buckle down and do it now, then we'll be able to get out and get 44,000 strong at Petco Park a lot sooner than we would if we let the boredom get to us as, as we're going along here. And the tour to OGs will eventually continue. I, I, it's, Correct. It's been a, I, need to get, I need to get that pepperoni pizza. Um, I should call OGs, get a get a takeout pizza for old time's sake. Uh, make sure to catch I heard up. they deliver. They do deliver. That's right. That's right. Um Make sure to check out the Sports Wrap page on NBC7.com. Even though the games have stopped, we still got stories uh, going up on the website. We did our list of top five favorite sports movies. And everybody's watching movies right now because there's not a whole lot else to do. And uh, it's the whole team. So there's about, what, 25, 30 movies that we ran through. And so if you want some time to kill or maybe just want to argue with Derek about his picks... Uh, go to the sports page on NBC7.com. But we got stories updated there and still doing episodes of Sports Wrap Sundays at 1135, covering the stories about how this is all impacting people in the sports community here in San Diego. Uh, so keep up with us here. Keep up with us on the podcast and uh, keep yourselves safe and healthy and uh, hope to see you guys all soon. And thanks as always for listening. Thanks, Derek. This is a blast. Do one question. How do you not have Bull Durham on your list? You know what? I've never. You could ask a lot of friends of mine. I'm not like a. I'm not like you. I'm not a diehard movie guy like you. And so, I just wasn't ready to say these are the top five or these are necessarily my favorites. So I went kind of a different direction. I love documentaries. I had five sports documentaries. Five of my favorites. I figured Bull Durham, the Rocky movies, which of course are close to my heart. Space Jam, Rudy would be covered. Um, so I kind of put my own twist on things, fairly or not. You can argue with my process. Um, but uh, there's a lot of great movies. And going through the list, I was like, man, I need to I need to cue these up again. Because for a lot of them, it, it, it's been way too long. Yeah, Free Solo, the cinematography was amazing. But I remember sitting there watching it just going, this 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 guy's an idiot. I can't, like, I can't, why, why, why are you doing No, Stop. Just stop. Like, I was getting mad at like watching it going, will you just knock it off? What are you doing this for? Yeah. Um, you kind of, you lose sight of like how insane what he's doing is at points because, um, he just makes it look so easy and he's like Spider-Man up there. And when you stop to think like he's on the face of a cliff and gravity is still in play here. And yet it's just, it, it, uh, it hurt my brain.
but uh, it was incredible to watch. What was number one in your yeah. list? Oh, Bull Durham. Bull Durham. Okay. Naturally. Yeah. Bull, number and number two was Caddyshack. It's also one of the funniest films ever made. So, what are your top five baseball movies? Uh, I don't think I have top. I, I mean, most of them I, I get on my nerves real fast. Uh, Major League was funny. I like that one. Other than that, it, Sandlot. No Sandlot. Field of Dreams. The Sandlot. The, see, the Sandlot is is awesome, and I quote that movie a lot, but. I view that more just like Field of Dreams I wouldn't have on there because the Sandlot is a coming of age tale that happens to have baseball as the backdrop, mm. you know, whereas and then like Field of Dreams is a story about the relationship between a father and a son that has baseball as the backdrop. Kind of like Titanic is a movie about a love story that happens to have the Titanic disaster as a backdrop. Like Bull Durham at its heart is a baseball movie. Ah. You know, Major League at its heart is a baseball movie. The other one, it's hard for me to find a true baseball movie that I actually like. And nothing by Disney, because all Disney sports films are god-awful. One that I just saw recently, again, I, you know, the, the list of movies I haven't seen is um, exhaustive and impressive. But I just saw Tin Cup for the first time ever on a flight a little while ago, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I, I was tempted to put that on my list if I hadn't gone the documentary route. Yeah, Tin Cup is the second best golf movie of all time behind Caddyshack. Ah, I wasn't sure if you were going to say The Legend of Bagger Vance, another movie I haven't seen. Uh, what about ha- what, we, what about uh, Happy Gilmore? Then, yeah, oh, see that that's a third best. See, I wouldn't even put The Legend of Bagger Vance on there. It was so thoroughly unenjoyable. I was tempted to put Dodgeball on my list. I was tempted to put Best in Show on my list. Best in Show, actually, my wife and I just watched that not too long ago because we love Shit's Creek, mm-hmm. and you know, that's all the same people, Catherine O'Hara and yeah, Eugene yeah. Levy, uh-huh. and uh, it's you forget just how subtle the jokes and the pure brilliance of those comics are, especially when they're ad-libbing so much of that. And the fact that Christopher Guest looks nothing like he did in The Princess Bride still blows my mind when I watch that film. Stop naming nuts. All right, on that note, thanks for uh, hanging out with us. Appreciate it as always. Check out the list, watch the movies, enjoy yourselves, stay home, stay safe, and we'll catch up with you again soon.